Alright guys, welcome to our weekend episode here on the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. Aaron here. Just a couple quick things before we get started today. First, as always, uh, make sure you check us out on our social media at BG Group, uh, facebook.com slash biggoldbelt. Um, we are featured starting this past week on wrestlingopinion.com. You can follow them at wrestlingopins on Twitter. Uh, our episodes will be featured. They have a nice big tab for us at the top of their main page. Um, and a subsection where they'll be posting all of our episodes that you can stream directly from WrestlingOpinion.com. Those go right into our downloads count on our podcast servers, so please consider supporting us through them. Uh, they're great guys. Uh, shout out to Bryant and all his crew over at WrestlingOpinion.com. Uh, what we're going to hit you with on the weekend edition first is a review of Ring of Honor's uh, Best in the World 2015 pay-per-view, which aired this past Friday evening. And then uh, that'll just be me. I think I was the only one from the crew that was able to catch that show. And then you'll be joined by Dr. M and I. Uh, We're going to be talking a number of things. We'll be talking about TNA not having the world title match with Kurt Angle and EC3 on the upcoming Slammiversary pay-per-view. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the lack of build for the Finn Balor-Kevin Owens match in Tokyo for the title. We'll be talking about the rumor of Dolph Ziggler potentially leaving WWE in a couple months. We hit a little bit on NXT as a touring brand. Uh, The King of the Mountain match that they replaced the EC3 angle match with at Slammiversary. And much, much more. We, uh, he and I had a chance to talk on Saturday afternoon. We did about 47 minutes of conversation together. So nice long chat with Dr. M. It's always good to talk to him. And uh, so why don't we go ahead and get started here with this week's Plus Minus focusing on the Ring of Honor Best in the World pay-per-view. Now normally... On plus minus, I start with the positives. I always like to get the good news before the bad news in life, but I can't ignore the negatives first here because I ordered Best in the World 2015 off of ROHWrestling.com through their video on demand service. I paid the $34.95, which is equivalent to about four months of WWE Network, which never gives me technical difficulties on my iPad, on my computer, on my Apple TV. I wanted to watch the show because I'm out of state visiting family. I wanted to watch the show late at night when we got back in last night, uh, last night being Friday night, on my laptop, my MacBook Pro. And the audio was about like a second or two ahead of the entire show, which made watching the show not too bad. Obviously, the hits... And the suplexes sounded weird because you heard the impact before it happened, but it was really difficult for watching the ref count pinfalls. Um, It just really took away from some of the drama a little bit. I also was not able to see several parts of the show. Um, The video worked fine up until the Bullet Club versus Kingdom match. I missed segments of that match, and I was not able to see the finish at all because the video froze at different parts of that. And I either had to refresh and fast forward. So I didn't get to see the finish. I didn't get to see Marie eat the triple uh, super kick party from Bullet Club, which would have been awesome because they teased it. I was really into that match. I love Bullet Club. I love the Young Bucks. Didn't get to see that. I missed segments of the tag team no DQ match um, between the Addiction and Red Dragon. I did get to see the finish of that one, but maybe the finish would have been better for me if I had been able to actually see the entire match. And I missed probably the first two to three minutes of the main event between Jay Lethal and Jay Briscoe. Not acceptable. Not acceptable at all. And let me tell you why. I understand that technical difficulties can and will happen. I'm understanding of that. They happen to me in my professional life, in my personal life, with my own technology from time to time. I get it. And I can be understanding of that. It sounded to me, based on what I read on Twitter throughout the internet, that people who ordered the iPay-Per-View had issues. Uh, I heard DirecTV had some issues during the main event also. And that's fine. It happens. I get it. However, 
if I'm going to order this on demand and you're posting your show on demand for people to order and the audio is not in sync with the video and the video freezes and you don't announce that or say, hey, we're working on fixing this, we're not going to have people order it on demand until we can get it worked out, don't offer that service. It's unacceptable. Don't take my money on a pretense. It's going to make me not want to give you my money in future and to find other ways of watching it instead. Not cool. That's all I'm going to say about that. As far as the actual content of the show itself, um, a couple issues. I would have liked to see um, Donovan Dijak win. I don't know. It would have been kind of. It would have been more interesting to see both of the Briscoes lose and then to see how they both collectively rebound. Moving forward, um, plus Donovan Dijak, I consider him to be a friend of our show. He's never actually appeared on our show, but he uh, favorites our ROH tweets all the time. So shout out to Donovan Dijak. Um, I would have liked to see Colby Carino get more involved in the tag match with Decade more than he did. Um, just to kind of continue <clears throat> what's been featured on TV so far. Um, I just love how they're kind of teasing uh, King Carino by continuing to put his son in situations that don't really work out well for his son. I think it's just a really great build. Um, I don't know. It just would have been kind of cool to see him get in there. I, what else, what else, what else? That was kind of the only big negatives. I, I wanted Moose to win the number one contendership, but I see why they didn't. I'll talk about that in the positives in a second. Um, I hope in future matches they don't feature AJ Styles in just kind of glorified spot fests like the six man he was involved in. If you're gonna book him, and I know he's kind of an expensive buck to spend to get him on your show, maybe put him in some more meaningful feuds um, that aren't just spot fests. AJ Styles is one of the best, um, in my opinion, best wrestlers in the world right now. One of the hottest commodities in wrestling. Maybe feature him a little more prominently instead of just a six-man tag. I know he's going to be working, tagging with Joe tonight as I record this on Saturday at the show they're doing, the taping they're doing in New York City. Um, besides that, not a whole lot of negative to say about it. Moving on to the positives, we'll start with the main event. Um, besides the little I missed, I thought it was an excellent match. I loved seeing um, the House of Truth members get kicked out kind of in successive fashion and leaving it to just Jay Lethal to kind of show why he is the best in the world, all puns intended there. I thought it was a great match. I loved the Jay Driller spot through the table after they kicked out Truth Martini. I thought it was a well-wrestled match. Um, I loved how the pace was built up and picked up at the end. I love how Jay Lethal executed the finish, uh, stealing Jay Briscoe's move and the Jay Driller, and then leading that into the um, lethal injection finisher. I thought it was awesome. Um, a little weird that they had a heel win in such a babyface mode and a babyface celebration, having his parents there in tears at ringside, having the chant uh, from the crowd of, you deserve it. Um it could have been interesting to have him win it in more of a heel way, but I'll take it. It's a big moment having Jay Lethal capture that ROH title while still having the World Television Championship. Um, all congrats and love go out to Jay Lethal. Thought that was a great match. I liked that the addiction kept the tag titles. I think you can extend that feud with Red Dragon further, especially considering they won it in heel fashion. Um, with, oh gosh, what's the guy's name that ran in and interfered on the match? Blanking, blanking, blanking. Sorry, guys. Blanked on his name. I know he used to wrestle in TNA. I just can't place it right now. Uh, love the Young Bucks. Love AJ Styles. Love the Kingdom. That was a fun match, what I was able to see of it. Um, hoping that I'll still have access to that video on demand when they fix it and I can actually see how the finish of that match. But um, Love the Triple Threat. For the number one contendership, I think Roderick Strong is going to be a really strong candidate to be Jay Lethal's first um, contender for that title at Death Before Dishonor coming up in July. I think that I like where they went with Moose, kind of continuing the Cedric Alexander storyline, having um, Vita Scott turn on him. Um, I think that's going to be really cool to build up more crowd support for Moose, who doesn't have all the crowd behind him yet. He's working to get that. I think that 
they kind of saw what happened to Roman Reigns when you hot shot somebody and just assume the crowd's going to be with them. But if you give them reasons to invest and cheer for a character like they're doing with Moose now, I think that's only going to be great for him. Moose is my favorite wrestler in Ring of Honor, and I look forward to seeing his feud with Cedric Alexander, who turned on Caprice Coleman. I like the storytelling in the match um, that directly preceded that triple threat match. Dalton Castle, as always, is awesome. They're continuing that storyline, having Silas Young attack his boys at the end of that match. I think that's great. Extend that feud. Um, Overall, it was a really well-worked show. I thought the in-ring quality was excellent, as always. Excuse me. Really enjoyed the show, what I was able to see of it. Um, I only missed minor parts, but I mean, when the audio is not in sync with the video and that sold as being on-demand as a finished product, and I miss parts of really high-profile matches on the card. It would have been unacceptable to miss any match on the card because I paid for the whole show, but to miss the finish and segments of the Bullet Club match, to miss segments of the tag title match, and to miss uh, the beginning segment of the main event, which was the biggest sell for me, unacceptable. Unacceptable, especially considering this was your first shot on pay-per-view after establishing more of a national audience on Destination America. I emailed Ring of Honor's support team and asked them what their policy is to um, make things right when there are technical difficulties that interfere with you know, watching a show that I paid top dollar for. I, as of... Saturday at 5.30 Central Time in the evening time. I have yet to hear back from them. I'm assuming I'll hear back at the beginning of the work week. And I will keep everybody on this podcast and our social media posted. Because I think that they should be transparent with their product. And when things don't go right, they should... And I know they've done things in the past to help out you know, fans who experience technical difficulties. But... I This is my first Ring of Honor show that I've ordered live, or on demand, excuse me, and I expect that something will happen to make it right. I can't believe it's gone almost 24 hours now, where the video on demand edition of Best in the World 2015 is still, um, still not there. It's still not quality, and it needs to be. Don't put a finished product up for people to order without letting them know that there's issues with it. Um, I'm pretty sure I have access to the video on demand version of best in the world 2015 until a year past the date it first aired so you know i'm assuming i'll get it at some point but it's just a shame considering how good how much of you know i enjoyed the show what i did see of it um even with bad audio i hope that it improves moving forward they have an eye pay-per-view only show and death before dishonor coming up you know jay lethal defending his newly won Ring of Honor World Championship against Roderick Strong, the former champion. And that's a match that I want to see. That's a match that fans want to see, and I hope that they can deliver it in a way that's quality, that the fans can enjoy it. Like, trying to rush past all the spots of the video that didn't work for me, you know, it made me enjoy the rest of the show less because I was just worried when it was going to freeze up again. I watch wrestling to kind of forget about stressful things a little bit and just be entertained as a fan and not have to worry about glitchy stuff. You know, that's, I'm paying, so I don't have to worry about all that. I'm paying to have that presentation. And it's unacceptable that I haven't heard back from Ring of Honor's support crew yet. It's unacceptable that they put a video-on-demand product up that I should have been able to order with, you know, if I have the correct equipment and the correct internet connection that's recommended, which I do, which I do where I'm visiting family at right now also, I expect that I should be able to watch the product with no issues. And if there are issues, I expect to be told up front about that. It's unacceptable. Um, but putting that aside, um, great talent on this roster, once again, you know, putting in a great show. That main event, um, not like a match of the year, contender for me based on what I've seen so far up to you know mid to late June of the year but it was a great match and I hope this isn't the last time we see these two wrestle for gold I think that Jay Lethal should be a long-term champion for Ring of Honor he's excellent he's earned it um I've been a fan of his for years so again much congratulations to Jay Lethal um I will keep you guys posted and though on what I hear about you know any sort of recompense I can get for the difficulties that I experienced technically on ordering the show. 
Okay, everybody, this is Aaron back with you today. It's going to be a two-person deal today. It's myself and Dr. M. Dr. M, how are you today? I'm doing all right, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I just got back from a, a lake lunch cruise, rode around a lake on a boat for a couple hours. What did you do today? Uh, I clearly did not live the dream as you are today. Um, <laughs> Just kind of, kind of lounging around, you know, not doing too much, but uh, ready to talk about some interesting happenings in the wrestling world this week. Yeah, it seems like the rest of our crew is up to far more than we are because they were unavailable to record today. Um, but we're gonna hit on a few topics today. The first thing I wanted to talk about is my continued frustration with TNA wrestling. Um, Doctor M, why am I frustrated with TNA wrestling? You know, you might be frustrated for uh, the same reason that, that many are frustrated these days. Um, and that probably has to do with the booking of the world title situation. Would that be correct? That would be correct. So we have Slammiversary coming up on the 28th of June. And over the last, you know, three to four weeks, we've been uh, sold on the feud between Ethan Carter III and the TNA World Heavyweight Champion Kurt Angle. And uh, we were all under the assumption, and I believe they led us accordingly on their television tapings, that that world title match would take place on pay-per-view, considering they only have two legitimate pay-per-views anymore, um, Slammiversary in the summer, Bound for Glory in the fall. Uh, we recently learned online that the title match will now not be taking place at Slammiversary, but at the tapings afterwards, because they did not want to spoil the outcome of the match. I believe July 1st is when that uh, title match is taking place. In the main event, instead yep. at Slammiversary, is a King of the Mountain match. Uh, not sure if there's any stakes involved, uh, if there's any title shots on the line or whatever. Um, I guess I'm frustrated because I would like to think that Dixie Carter has a calendar and they could have figured this out. Um, what are your... Uh, how do you think that this happened, first of all, considering it's one of only two pay-per-views for the entire year? Yeah, uh, someone screwed up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I had a feeling when, you know, TNA got this most recent deal and they started kind of getting themselves settled with a consistent TV deal, I had a feeling that this, this practice of taping so many shows in a row was going to come back and bite them eventually. Now, granted, they obviously do these tapings in advance, I would imagine for, for business reasons, trying to save money where they can. But, again, at some point, it's going to come back and bite you, I would imagine, and it certainly has here. There, there's really no excuse, I think, to not have Ethan Carter win the, the TNA title at Slammiversary. He is, I think, arguably the, the hottest commodity in the company right now. And, and what better way to establish that than to have him beat Kurt Angle at Slammiversary? Uh, so to your, to your question, Aaron, I, I don't know how this happened other than someone was not uh, kind of measuring the calendar correctly, uh, to say the least. And on top of that, the, the alternative we now get at Slammiversary, uh, in addition to, as we just learned this past week on Impact, uh, Robbie E. against Jesse Goddard, because, you know, who doesn't want to see that? <laughs> um, we, we have the, the King of the Mountain match, which, you know, I'll, I'll be interested in your opinion on this, Aaron, but oh. I, I've seen a number of, of King of the Mountain matches in the past, and... You know, I just, I can't get into them. They, they, they seem like this, one of the sillier matches I think I've ever seen. What do you think about that? Yeah, I watched, oh, this would have been a number of years ago um, before I moved out of my parents' house, before I started working after I graduated college. We used to order the pay-per-views every month at um, my buddy's house. There'd be a group of about five to seven of us, depending on who was there. And I remember watching Slammiversary, must have been like, 
maybe 06, 05 or 06. I can't even remember how long ago it was. And yeah, trying to follow the stipulations of the match, it was just really dumb. I'm on Wikipedia here, and so basically it's it's a ladder match, but they have like a cage, like a penalty box on the outside, and in order to become eligible to climb the ladder, you have to either pin or submit someone, and then whoever is pinned or submitted goes in a penalty box. You can get more than one wrestler in the penalty box, which results in fighting inside of a small confined space, and then you don't... You don't win by going up and getting the belt. You get the belt and you hang it on the hook. So it's like the it's like a reverse ladder match, which like it's just symbolically like putting the title somewhere as opposed to going up and grabbing it. it I don't understand the purpose of that either. Yeah. So I'm not terribly excited about this uh, King of the Mountain match. Looking on Wikipedia here, it looks like this will be the ninth one in the history of TNA wrestling, but it's just kind of a silly concept. I want to, furthermore, <laughs> the, the, the only thing I was excited for, for the potential Slammiversary card, was the Ethan Carter the third versus Kurt Angle wor- world title match, which you have to assume yeah. EC3 is going to win it, keeping his undefeated streak alive. Yeah. So here's the card that they've announced so far. We have the King of the Mountain match with participants yet to be named, uh, we have what we will probably um, be the fifth and deciding match in the best of five series for the tag, the vacant tag titles between the Wolves and the Dirty Heels. You have a triple threat for the knockouts title with Taryn Terrell defending against Kong and uh, Brooke. You have the uh, the five-star classic waiting to happen between Jesse Godders and Robbie E, as you mentioned. And then you have James Storm versus Magnus in the in the feud they've built uh, with Mickey James being pushed into a moving train. Right. That's our card so far. I can't see myself yeah. paying money for that. I just. Yeah, I, uh, I I certainly would not pay money for that. Oh. Can I? Can we? Can we just talk a second about the? Uh... Well, really, sort of two things, but mainly the the James Storm and Magnus storyline. Sure, go ahead. Uh, because, you know, I, I've been paying a little more attention to it, regrettably, as of late. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, the, the whole Mickey James getting sort of pushed um, onto train tracks was one of the more absurd things I've ever seen. And this is coming from a guy who, uh, like many of us who, who grew up, in the attitude area, attitude era, have seen things like May Young giving birth to a hand, um, or Katie Vick, or Katie Vick, right? Uh, yeah, so that seemed a little absurd. And then I don't know if you caught it this past uh, Wednesday night on Impact when when James Storm brought out a baby stroller. I did uh, which, see that. It was highly offensive. Yeah. I, my wife like cringed at it because she was kind of half paying attention on the couch i did see that yeah and you know on the one hand i i sort of get that we're, that uh the powers that be are, are attempting to establish james storm as this this kind of devious um heel but I think one of the things that takes away from that is that I still don't understand what exactly the revolution is. Um, this revolution that, that James Storm has been talking about for who knows how long now. I, I remember when uh, uh, Sonata was with TNA. And, oh, it was I awful. To, yeah. I want to yeah, think he joined the revolution. And yeah, to this day, I don't quite get what the revolution is. And I feel like... Uh, that should be explained sooner rather than later. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that I'm that match just this whole storyline is a bit absurd um, to me. Do you you feel the same way? I do. I I love James Storm. I'm actually I enjoy Magnus as well. I recently was listening to a lot of uh, Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast. He did a couple live ones at WrestleCon out in California around WrestleMania time, and he's getting to air them now, and he had Magnus appear on one of them, and mm-hmm. it was really enjoyable hearing the guy. I like Magnus, but uh, I, I don't like the storyline. I don't like 
it's weird that they're bringing his real-life baby into it. Like, I guess, I don't know. I'm not a parent yet, but I would like to think that when I am, I wouldn't involve my kid in something like that. Because, you know, we remember how awesome the Dominic storyline was back in 05 with Eddie and Ray. Um, yeah, I don't know what the revolution means. I personally prefer my James Storm to be um, the beer-swilling babyface James Storm, who wrote yeah, out our cooler, the cowboy James Storm. Um, I think he's even, I mean, they haven't gotten to it yet because they're airing a bunch of uh, previously taped episodes of Impact, but I think he even cuts his hair off. I saw a picture of uh, his locks on the floor on his Instagram or his Twitter or something, and I I don't know how I feel about that. I guess more power to you, but I honestly, I don't think they're giving much thought to it. I just think it's something heelish to call him and his group right now. I, I don't think they've thought very many weeks ahead. Um, just one person's opinion. So yeah, I don't know where they're going with it. Um, I don't even know. I've heard rumors that Mickey James, that might've been the way to write her off TV. She might not be working for the company on a consistent basis anymore. I know I've seen a lot of different indie dates and appearances from her, like signings and stuff come up on online recently. So I don't know, man. I'm here's my whole thing about it. We just rambled through what the announced card so far is for Slammiversary. Now, the point of professional wrestling is to draw money. That is the A to Z point of it. How do you draw money when you're building a title feud and you're just you're not going to have it on pay per view because you can't can't figure out the uh, the mathematics of a calendar, and you're going to give it away for free on television? After you've been building it for X number of weeks, man, like, how is that? Yeah. How is that meeting the end game of pro wrestling, which is drawing money? I don't get it. It's one of the few, one of the few feuds no, in TNA right now that I was sold on, and you could have maybe talked me into paying some money for, but there, there's no way they're drawing money by doing it that way. Yeah, I agree, and then uh, it, it makes me wonder too: Are we going? to see Ethan Carter or and or Kurt Angle on the pay-per-view at all now? Do we just have to wait until July 1st? Um, I don't know if that's been made clear or not. It hasn't. I, I think that they'll probably wait and tell people at the last possible second. Um, yeah. I mean, I hope we would get some indication of it on Impact next week, which, like, I didn't even really get through Impact this week. I got up to the main event and... Mm-hmm. I decided to put it on hold on the DVR till later. I still haven't gotten to it yet. Um, I yeah, it's interesting with previously taped wrestling shows. Like, you know, they tape SmackDown every week, so they can kind of get away with that a little bit. It's still fairly fresh. It's still current with the storylines that they're yeah. doing live on Mondays or in the pay per views or whatever. But like NXT mm-hmm. just taped. I think they taped their television or their network show through mid-July on the tapings they just did a couple days ago. And yet we have a title match coming up on July 4th, which Mm -hmm. um, maybe we can talk about that build in a second. But, like, I don't read the spoilers for NXT. It's one of the things I try not to spoil for myself just because I enjoy it so much. Did you happen to read the spoilers for NXT? I have not. I I saw that they'd been posted, but sort of of like you, I I tend to avoid them um, because... I, I like, I enjoy being pleasantly surprised by uh, what's happening on NXT. But yeah, I did see that they have uh, taped up through, as you said, uh, mid or maybe even to the end of July. And so uh, I am sort of curious about that move as well with, uh, with the live um, taping in Japan coming up soon. And it's like, do you just keep Kevin Owens and Finn Balor off TV until then? Like, I have no idea how they even do commentary without talking about the world title or whoever happens to be holding it at that point. And then what do you do with Samoa Joe for two weeks? Do you hold him off TV? Because he's clearly involved with yeah. um, with Kevin Owens right now. And maybe we should just even get into that. The title build for this match on July 4th has been a bit stagnant, in my opinion. They wrote Finn Balor off a of TV with that uh, the gore from Rhino on the stage. Um, and he hasn't been on, on TV in, what, two weeks now? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And, like, we're supposed to be building to this title match in Japan in, 
what is that, three weeks away now? And then you've got Kevin Owens, meanwhile, biding his time with John Cena on, you know, network television or cable television. And then you've got him feuding on the side with Samoa Joe. And we, I, I have my opinions I've expressed in the past about how they've debuted Samoa Joe in WWE. But, like, what is, what's the end game here? Are they going to put Samoa Joe into a triple threat in Japan? Are they going to get Finn Balor back on TV and establish some sort of personal rivalry with Kevin Owens, which I think they did a poor job of when they did it in the spring. Like, what's, what's going on here? Can you explain it to me? Or are you kind of as frustrated with it as I am? You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not so much frustrated as, uh, maybe perplexed would be the better word Uh, for me at least. Uh, I, You know, I was thinking about this, and I'm starting to think that Finn Balor has kind of come onto the scene maybe too soon. And I say that because, you know, we had, what was it, late last year or so, we had kind of this this rash of talent that was all sort of emerging at the same time. Obviously, you know, Sami Zayn, Neville, they'd been in NXT for a bit, but they were were really picking up momentum, I think, in the fall and and Mm -hmm. late last year. Um, you know, Kevin Owens comes in, uh, Hideo Itami comes in. So we have all these guys that, you know, made big names for themselves on the indies. And, you know, Finn Balor comes in, which was, which was great, but starting to think there's a bit of a log jam now happening. Um, with, they, they definitely need to get some guys on the main roster and, like, yeah. freshen it up a little bit. Which, like, I guess maybe the injuries to Hideo Itami and Sami Zayn can kind of help that cause a little bit. Yeah. You can get some guys filtered in and out. Um, and I agree. He's kind of getting lost in the shuffle. And, like, you only have an hour of TV every week or even less than that because for some reason on their own network they feel they need to run their own commercials. I don't get that yeah. either. But they have – I feel that the title match in Tokyo should be billed as the biggest NXT championship match of all time. Granted, NXT is still in very much in its oh, infancy, yeah, but if you look at the the network era of what NXT has become, it's been about a year and a half now since NXT's been available on the WWE Network, and they've had maybe seven, eight NXT championship matches on NXT proper or on their live events, the special live events, that the takeovers that they do. Those two guys working in Tokyo, especially considering... Finn Balor, a.k.a. Fergal Devitt's history in New Japan, which, like, they're going to mark mm-hmm. out for him. It's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. That should be a really big deal. And I love the video packages they've done for him. I love that they went back and told um, Fergal Devitt's story on that throwback package, part one of two that they did on NXT this week, but it still doesn't build the actual match. And I think that there's a lot of work to be done. I'm not saying it can't be salvaged yet, but I think there's a lot of work to be done. And I hope it starts next week. But you got to think if they're advertising part two of the Fergal Devitt story next week, we're not going to see Balor back on until the end of June. And then you have two weeks left. I, I completely agree. Uh, the video package they did on NXT this past week uh, was excellent. I think most fans would probably agree with us on that. But I think my first thought when I saw the video was that I would have loved to see that same video when Finn Balor first debuted in NXT. Um, Just to Mm -hmm. get some insight into who he was, you know, right from the beginning, then that would have left room, I think, for more video packages in which, you know, maybe some sort of issue is being explored between Finn Balor and Kevin Owens because yeah, when they when they fight in Japan, we already know the match is going to be excellent just because of the two guys in the ring. That's not the problem. The problem is, as you I think so well put it, Iran is you know the build. Yeah. Right now it's it's, it's lackluster. The kayfabe part best. of it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see uh, maybe with the the powers of some good editing in the next few weeks on the. NXT show on the network, I'll be curious to see how they really try to drum up interest for, you know, what, you know, all the fans know is going to be a good match, but there has to be a story behind it. 
Well, and the other thing they can do too, which they've kind of done in the past, is they could do some of the build on Raw, and that would be kind of the first um, main roster exposure of Finn Balor, which maybe could help sell people on him being the next NXT champion. And what they could do then, you'd kind of send Kevin Owens off to greener pastures if he does, and I think he will win the title in Japan, uh, Finn Balor, that is. You have Hideo Itami coming back here in the next um, two two months or so, is what I understand. And they were already kind of building a feud between those two after they had tagged up so much when Balor first got here. And um, I think that could be a really cool program heading into the fall. I would really like to see those two work a little bit more and then you have um, you have Uha Nation or whatever it is they call him coming up soon, and that's going to be a whole bucket full of awesome when he gets there. Um, so yeah, absolutely. yeah, it's like you said, it's not that the matches are going to be bad; it's just the kayfabe part of it. I think they need to start telling that story a little bit better. But when you tape that far in advance, and you're mixing and mingling your NXT with your Raw and your SmackDown, you know it can get a little bit hard to book it coherently, and I don't know, man. Like, it would be interesting if they started taping NXT on the road with the main roster in front of bigger audiences. I know it kind of gets rid of some of the intimacy of Full Sail and that hardcore crowd down in Orlando but or Tampa or whatever it's at. But what do you think about that? Like, Because when I went to SmackDown in April, they taped the King of the Ring special, and I talked about that on a previous episode, but then they taped main event also. Like, what's to say, what's to stop them from taping you know, 43 minutes of NXT before Raw. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting proposition. Um, I mean, in one hand, it seems like it would make perfect sense. Right? You're getting um, a lot more content taped in one setting at one time. That I would imagine that would save on, uh, on you know, money, on travel for the production crew, right? Um I don't know. At the same time, I I kind of agree with the the philosophy that, that that Triple H preaches of kind of having NXT in those smaller settings. And you know, maybe this would probably um, take a lot of advanced planning. And I don't know how feasible it is, but maybe on those nights when Raw is running in kind of one of the larger arenas, maybe if there's a smaller venue somewhere in the same city, yeah, right. Um, that the NXT folks could uh, do their show in, so that you're still keeping that small, intimate setting, but you know you're again you got everybody in the same general area. Mm-hmm. I could see that potentially working. Um, yeah, it'll be. I'll be interested to see how NXT progresses um, in the next few months. I mean, they're they're probably they're arguably I think the hottest brand in wrestling today. And uh, I, I hope that they can keep that momentum going. I don't see why they wouldn't. But uh, I'll be interested to see if they ever do expand to larger arenas um, and what impact that will have on them. Yeah, it'll be, it's going to be definitely interesting. But I, I definitely agree with you um, in keeping NXT smaller and special. Like, I think part of the appeal is that you go to, like, a Raw taping, for example, and the little kid in the John Cena shirt and wristbands next to you he doesn't know who Finn Balor is yet. He doesn't know who Sasha Banks is yet. And yeah. it's kind of cool that, you know, that's something that's fresh, that they haven't muddied up on the main roster yet or misbooked yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of the appeal of it. I know that they're kind of turning in, they're turning it into more of what will be like a fully touring brand of WWE. And yeah. I think they can pull that off maybe running smaller places like you're saying. Like, I think, you know, they run Raw, for example, just thinking about Illinois, they run Raw and Rosemont at the Allstate Arena, which is where they had WrestleMania 22. And then maybe you run NXT, like you said, in a smaller venue like the Rosemont Theater where they had the Hall of Fame the year I went to Mania and saw Bret Hart inducted in the Hall of Fame, which seats maybe, you know, four to 5,000 people. It's going to be really interesting... I'm just thinking way far ahead just because you and I and our crew have all booked our hotel down in Texas for WrestleMania 32 next year, and we can only assume that NXT will run a show on Friday as they did this year in San Jose in the Bay Area. With that many wrestling fans congregated in one area at one time, I don't know if 5,000 seats or 5,500 or whatever it is they did in San Jose 
if that's going to cut it because the demand's going to be so huge unless they run multiple shows that weekend. Yeah, that's, like that's we, very true. We're booking our flights, and I know you're going to do the same after um, after you take your international trip this summer. We're planning on getting down there Friday morning with the assumption that we're going to have NXT tickets for Friday night. And I can't imagine we're the only ones if they're trying to draw 100000 down there. Like, could you see them running... I don't think the American Airlines Arena in downtown Dallas is going to be open to that because they're going to have it set up for Hall of Fame. But, like, where are they going to run? I mean, I don't know the Dallas area. I'm sure there's enough locations that they could run any number of events. But that's just going to be another interesting thing of kind of how it's built. They're announcing, I don't know if you saw this, in October, they're going to run NXT matches at a couple music festivals. I know there's one in October down in, like, Kentucky or Tennessee or something. That yeah, I, I did see that. Yeah, that's... Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, to be, to be honest with you. I mean, um, yeah, NXT's kind of for the more of the, I think, more of the dedicated hardcore fans, and you're going to run it at a place where there's maybe casual fans at best attending a music festival? I don't know about that. Yeah, it's, it's almost the... Uh, and like you said, we never know if... I'm sure with with it being the NXT brand, it's it's going to come off well. But it, it makes me think of uh, of TNA running in um, Universal Studios, where um, you know most of the people that are, are down at Universal Studios are obviously down there for for Disney World, right? And you know you can get free tickets to a lot of the sound stages. So a lot of the fans that were in the audience, especially in the earlier days of TNA, were kind of just kind of casual fans that were at this studio for other reasons. I still think uh, the fans are kind of terrible on what, what I see on TV now down there, too. It's way better when they run the Manhattan Center um, up in New York City. Like, those tapings always come off way better on TV. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I uh, I am, and it's another thing that sort of perplexes me about uh, recent developments. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I I just I'm a, I get concerned sometimes, and Global Force Wrestling is sort of an example. I I have never really been excited by the idea of wrestling shows in venues or at events that were not focused on wrestling. So you know, with with Global Force doing their their first couple shows at baseball stadiums, and I don't know if you've seen some pictures from uh, those shows, but attendance didn't look fantastic. Um, yeah, I, don't know, I think it sometimes just takes away from from the wrestling. Yeah, it's you bring up a good point. Like they're running a lot of the shows that GFW is running. One of which I'll be attending in September. They're in way smaller markets because they're minor league ballparks, and they're just yeah. there's not a lot of people to draw from for your attendance there. It's really. I, I get what they're doing. Like it is really cool to one extent to see wrestling in a unique context, such as a minor league baseball park. But they, I yeah, I saw the pictures. They weren't well attended. They weren't very well attended when TNA did their base brawl um, events um, several years ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still. They have a really cool roster for GFW, but like I still don't really know out of all the people on the roster who's officially appearing at the one I'm going to in September. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of waiting on that too. Like the Young Bucks are on the roster, and the Young Bucks are like my favorite tag team right now, but like they might not be on that event. So it's, I'm not sure how excited to get about it. Um, yeah, it all sounds exciting though. I had the chance, like I said on previous episode, to. Um, meet Jeff Jarrett, who was appearing at all the different ballparks in advance of their shows running to get people excited about it. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that I talked to him about in the brief interaction we had, which I don't know if this is, we might be breaking this on our little podcast. You might remember for Wrestle Kingdom 9 that um, Global Force Wrestling had a presence on that show, and it was the reason we had English commentary here in the States and maybe available Mm -hmm. elsewhere with Jim Ross and Matt Stryker. And I asked him, if they were planning on providing that same access for the English speaking fans again, he said that they're in talks about that, which I'm excited about. Cause I love new oh, Japan. Nice. It's hard to follow though, when I don't understand the commentary and therefore the storytelling as sure. much. Um, I think what new Japan does in the, the stuff they run with ring of honor definitely helps to that end. And I hope they continue to do more of that. I know 
on the Best in the World pay-per-view last night, they announced that um, a couple of the New Japan talents will be doing a couple dates on the East Coast in August with ROH. I think it's Nakamura, Kushida, and maybe Okada is the third one. So I, I know I'm getting way off on a tangent. I just wanted to throw that out there to our listeners. But oh, what else? Should we talk about Dolph Ziggler before we head out here? Yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's touch on that for a moment. Well, what, why don't you, if for the listeners who didn't catch that on the dirt sheets this weekend, why don't you th- um, kind of summarize what leaked out or is at least rumored? Yeah, so uh, there's uh, looks to be growing rumors now that um, Dolph Ziggler is uh, unhappy with his spot in, in WWE, and uh, according to a number of dirt sheet reports his contract is uh, uh, about to expire in the next few months and uh, there's not really much certainty as to Dolph Ziggler sticking around with WWE uh, so yeah I'll be obviously that's something for us to keep an eye on um, coming up soon especially in terms of how he's going to be booked on the next uh, few months of, of Raw, Smackdown and, and uh, pay-per-views and uh, I, I have to say if if the rumors are, are, are true, um, although I guess it wouldn't really be shocking to any of us about Dolph being unhappy no, with the company. Not at all. Um, but uh, I certainly, you know, this is one fan who would not want to see him go. Uh, I don't think there's a Dolph Ziggler match, especially in the last few years, that I, I don't enjoy watching. You know, he obviously gives it his all every time he gets in the ring. But, um, yeah, I think... We're at a point in WWE where that that fire, that momentum that he had when he cashed in money in the bank against Alberto Del Rio, I mean, I, I don't think I could have foreseen um, him sort of falling off the mountain as quickly as he did. And, of course, he I think he caught some injuries at the exact wrong time, and mm-hmm. that probably led to that downfall. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope... Dolph decides to stick around, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, man, they... I've been really frustrated with what they've done with with him um, since SummerSlam. I thought they were finally coming around on him again at SummerSlam when they had um, Team Cena versus Team Authority in the uh, traditional Mm -hmm. Survivor Series elimination-style match, and Dolph was the guy who brought it home for Team Cena. And it was amazing. I loved it. I loved that they gave Dolph that spotlight instead of Cena, who clearly didn't need it, still doesn't. Um, I think they really had missed it. didn't they have a... I'm sorry, didn't they have a Dolph pin uh, Rollins in the, at Survivor Series with they, help from Sting? Or am I misremembering that? No, no, no. That's exactly what happened. It was. I think it came down to like three-on-one at the end, um, the one being Dolph Ziggler, and he mowed through everybody and then had help from Sting to take down um, Seth Rollins at the end of that match. That would have been Sting's official on-air debut for WWE, which was a really big moment. Mm-hmm. Um, after the really random Big Show heel, heel turn in that match, which like, Big Show, just get off my TV now, please. <laughs> yeah, please. But man, I I love where they were going with him in the in the late 2014 there. They mm-hmm. they had him win that match with help from Sting. Um and then they had him storyline get fired with um with Rowan and was it Ryback was the other guy on that team? I, I think it was Ryback, yeah. And then like they came back and like none of them got mad at Cena for being, like, kind of the impetus for them getting fired. Like, wouldn't that have been cool to really keep Dolph off TV for a long time? Maybe have Cena go really deep in the Rumble and then have Dolph come out and, like, eliminate him and turn heel on Cena. And, like, I know our friend D-Wayne has his thoughts about what feuding with Cena does for guys you're trying to build. But that would have been way cooler than whatever they, you know, they had him in a random multi-man ladder match in a random elimination chamber and money in the bank, which nothing happened for him there. And, like, it's cool, I guess, right now that they have him paired with one of the hotter commodities on WWE right now in Lana. But, like, Rusev's off TV right now, to an extent, at least from in-ring competition. 
I don't blame the guy. I think there's been unfortunate circumstances like the Rusev injury, like his own injuries with concussions back when he had the title, um, mm-hmm. which I saw him drop to Del Rio um, back at Payback a couple years ago. I actually was at that event in Chicago. I wouldn't blame the guy. Let me ask you this. If he left, I wouldn't blame you. Blame him if he left. If he did leave, I don't think we would see him go to TNA. I think that's just kind of a death knell at this point. <laughs> Would you see? Yeah, him, I doubt he would go. Yeah. Would you see him in season two of Lucha Underground, like a Johnny Mundo? Would you see him in Ring of Honor? Could you see him going to Japan? Like, what would be the best place for a Dolph Ziggler, aka Nick Nemeth? I don't know what they would even call him. What he'd call himself outside of WWE? Where would you see him go? Where would you want him to go? It's a good. It's a good question because uh, you know, as you may know, Dolph also is uh, very invested in stand-up comedy right now. And yes. so I wonder, if, you know, if he does decide to leave WWE, if he might maybe not, you know, retire from wrestling altogether, but sort of put wrestling on the back burner to pursue a stand-up career. Uh, but, you know, if he decides to sort of stick with wrestling 100%, um, I agree. I don't, I don't see him fitting in TNA. Actually, I do see him fitting in TNA, um, but and I, I would imagine that TNA is would go to all stops to try to get him to join. But I don't know if he would. Uh, I don't see him as sort of accepting that. Um, Lucha Underground certainly a possibility, although I, I don't know if he has the the style that seems to to kind of define a lot of the wrestlers there. I could certainly see him in Ring of Honor. Um, yeah, for sure. I think he could do a lot to, uh, you know, help build a, a lot of the talent there, while at the same time being established as as a top wrestler on that brand. Oh, he would uh, easily so. be top three on that brand immediately, oh, yeah. just based on Absolutely. name. Like, wouldn't it be fun to see him wrestle guys like Jay Briscoe or Jay Lethal or Roderick Strong? Like, I kind of salivate oh, yeah. a little bit thinking about what those. 25 30 minute matches would look like that would be really cool i i hope he stays and i hope that they recognize what they have in him because man like on a bad raw and you know those can sometimes be more frequent than other times you can always count on like if they have a raw especially that's promo heavy you've always got the two to three segment Dolph match somewhere in there that you can always enjoy like they had this past week with kevin owens that was a great match Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hope I don't know. I wouldn't blame the yeah, guy, and I, I would. Uh, it would be interesting to see him do stand up and like open for Mick Foley, like him and like Cabana's done some stuff with Mick Foley on the road. Like that would be kind of cool too. I would love to see that. Or the guy could even be in movies. Like he's a good looking young guy in good shape. Like he and he's charismatic. He could be in movies too. Could do some acting. Yeah, I, I agree. I just like you suggested earlier. I think. I think WWE missed a huge opportunity with with Ziggler, especially after that being fired by the authority angle. You know, as as I think back on that, I remember I I was predicting that Dolph would come back and turn heel, and I was hoping to see uh, an excellent match between a heel Dolph and, and Cena at WrestleMania. Um, and of course, we didn't get that, and instead, after WrestleMania, we got what for all intents and purposes, which is, I think, a, a bad feud with Sheamus um, yeah. for a couple pay-per-views. I, I don't think that feud really did anything for either one of those guys. Um, so, yeah, I I do hope he stays, but at the same time, I, I wonder if he does stay, if he's just going to be subjected to more sort of questionable booking like that. Yeah... It seems like there's guys who, after a certain point, when when they've been in WWE as long as Dolph Ziggler has, they kind of get a certain stink to him where you just, you could never believe. Like, if they're in a Money in the Bank ladder match, we talked about this on our preview show, like, you know the guys that have a chance of winning, and you know the guys that there's going to be no way. And Dolph Ziggler is one of those guys now where, like, you would never pick him in a Money in the Bank match or an Elimination Chamber match. You just wouldn't. There's guys like him... um, Unfortunately, you guys talked about Cody Rhodes on our last episode. I think he's becoming a guy like that where you just don't think he's ever going to be believable in that part because of how 
how much he's lived in the mid card at this point yeah. in meaningless feuds. Um, I don't know. I think we should stop talking about Dolph Ziggler before I start crying on air here because he is one of my yeah. one of my more favorite wrestlers, and it's just sad to see it get to this point, but. Who knows? WWE has surprised us in the past with uh, ways they've been able to turn guys around, like CM Punk being an example back in 2011 before he left. So who knows? Is there anything else that? Uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, just sorry. Go ahead, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just saying we will have to see um, this this current storyline with with Lana is. I would imagine still in its early stages, so we'll have to see maybe if that does something for Dolph. Uh, personally, I think Dolph is at his best as a heel, and so uh, you know perhaps if he he does stay, um, a heel turn would be in order to kind of light a, another spark under him. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot up in the air with him. Um, and just gotta hope for the best for for him and. Quite a few other guys on the mid card that I'm sure we'll address in uh, in later episodes. Yeah, I think we have so much content just in WWE for the "Do We Believe in" segment on our midweek oh, or yeah. every week. I know we're talking about Roman Reigns next week, um, but I think we definitely have plenty of fodder for that. I was just asking what else we had to cover, and I actually thought of something. Um, I know that you and I are both huge fans of women's wrestling, and yeah. the storyline with the Bellas. And kind of the rest of the roster against Paige, I think, bears some discussion. Because you have to think, with none of the other members of the Divas roster supporting Paige in her crusade to take down the Bellas, that we're in for someone from NXT coming to the main roster to tag with Paige, probably at a SummerSlam. I, without reading the spoilers, I did hear that Becky Lynch did not work any matches on the NXT tapings they just did. Do you think that Becky Lynch would be a good choice considering she's not carrying the women's NXT title? Or do you think there's a better choice to team with Paige? Yeah. Yeah, I... Well, first off, I I do agree with you. and It certainly seems like uh, what could be a really fun storyline if uh, one or more of the Divas from NXT comes up to assist Paige and kind of get established on the main roster. Becky Lynch, I think, would be a great candidate. Uh, I think she has more than demonstrated to all of us as wrestling fans um, that she's more than capable in the ring and that, uh, you know, she can put on a good show. I would imagine before, kind of before her, that Charlotte would, you know, be a good candidate. Um, I think she has you know, certainly logged her miles in NXT, and I'm actually surprised that we, we haven't seen her brought up to the main roster already, but I, I think she'd be a great choice. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Charlotte or Becky, potentially um, potentially Bailey as well, um, because Bailey is, Bailey's a great face, and I think she would get a good reaction from uh, even the main roster fans. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think one of those three, if not, or, you know, a couple of those three, would would certainly uh, be good candidates uh, to join to join Paige on the main roster. It's interesting. I don't necessarily think that they know what they're doing with Charlotte yet. I think that maybe original plans were written in pencil to have her come up a lot sooner because they they haven't booked her in anything terribly huge or meaningful since she dropped that title to Sasha Banks uh, a couple takeovers ago. Um, we saw that Sasha Banks went on to feud with Becky Lynch, and now I don't think they've really established who Sasha's next opponent is. I'm sure they did it on the next set of tapings, which I'm, I haven't spoiled for myself yet, but I agree. I think Becky Lynch is a great choice. Um, maybe she's not seen as someone on the NXT touring brand who needs to anchor that, you know, that excellent women's match that always gets the good reaction, you know, one that they main evented in Philly with, with Charlotte and Sasha Banks. Maybe they need her to be the hand on the NXT brand a little while longer and filter her up in the fall. Um, but I love Becky's new revamped look. I love the uh, the episode one Anakin Skywalker goggles. I like the new hair color. I think she yeah. started to kind of find her character a little bit, and she's connecting. Um, I mean, the NXT crowd was singing her theme song after she lost the takeover in that title match. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that she would be um, kind of vibe-wise a pretty uh, good person to tag with Paige. I think their characters have enough similarities. Whereas, like, Charlotte, I don't want to see her and Paige get buddy-buddy too much because I think those two could have the next Lita Trish type of long-term feuding going on for the title on the main roster. Mm-hmm. So I think Becky Lynch, mm-hmm. Becky Lynch, if they decide to go there, is the perfect choice, and I hope they actually do go there. As far as Bailey, I heard that Bailey's working through a mildly broken arm, so I don't know if she's going to be the one. I actually, yeah, and I hope that she's okay. She's one of my favorites also. I kind of hope that they end up giving her a little bit of a run as champion in NXT before they bring her up. I think she could even stay in NXT for another year or so. I think she would be fine there. Mm-hmm. Because you got to wonder, it, it's going to be so interesting when they bring Bailey up. You can't have her be like that little kid want to hug and be friends with everyone character forever. And like the whenever they decide to turn her heel on the main roster and have her grow up, that's going to be really cool to watch. I'm actually really excited for that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because she's only 26 years old right now. Like, she's still very much young in terms of life years and wrestling years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plenty of time to develop her, for yeah. sure. Well, I think that about does it for um, for our talk on all things wrestling for the weekend. Um, anything else we missed that you wanted to hit on before we go, friend? No, I, I think we, uh, we covered our bases. Um I think, you know, a good summation of what we did is that we're concerned about TNA. Uh, we are perplexed by NXT and um, waiting with, with bated breath to see what happens to Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> and, almost, and out of all those things, TNA excluded, I'm, I'm at least entertained and intrigued. Like, that's not necessarily bad things. Um, but with TNA, it's so hard to get through their show lately that... That, that's a bad thing, especially with yeah. the Slammiversary pay-per-view coming up. I think it's going to be dissatisfying to fans. Um, whereas, like, you know, if Dolph leaves, like, at least I know he's going to go entertain me wrestling somewhere or performing somewhere yeah. creatively. So I guess we'll wait and see. I hope it all works out the best for everybody involved. <laughs> you can do at this point, right? Yeah, that's all you can do. Well, for Dr. M, this is Aaron. Um, Again, you can catch us on our midweek episode as well as our weekend episode. We'll be talking with you guys in a couple days. Um, Catch us on our own social media. Catch us on WrestlingOpinion.com. Bryant and all the guys at WrestlingOpinion.com have been doing a great job helping us get the word out there about our podcast as well as about their site, which you should check out, WrestlingOpinion.com. No S on that. And until next time, for Dr. M, we will check you guys later. This has been another production of the Big Goat Belt Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BGB Group or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Belt. Email us at biggoldbeltgroup at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.